Hey, Brett, how's it going this week? Good. How are you doing, Ange? Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank, the financial podcast where we talk about all things related to personal finance and then some, right? Uh, um, then a lot, yeah. And a lot about cheeseburgers. <laughs> That's like the number one comment is like, when people talk about you, they bring up your cheeseburger analogy. So you should be very proud of yourself because that has stuck with a lot of people. Hey, what works, works. I, I didn't do it. So are you ready for your trivia question? Uh, I don't think that's what people talk about. Maybe we should just stop doing these. Everybody loves the trivia. So how many people in America have a variable source of income? So like the amount they make each month is not consistent. Oh, okay. Not that they have more than one source of income. Um, well, maybe, but yeah, no. Any... I, I mean, I, I would think it's pretty high. I think a lot of people are in kind of that work stream where they're not like dedicated salaried, you know, annual contracts uh, or they work, you know, individual jobs here and there, things like that, right? All right. So, so out of 60%, okay. it's probably higher than that. But... Uh, it's actually 33%. So one in three. That's wow. That's really low. I, I thought really that was low. low too because I actually, you know, in different events and stuff that I'm part of around town, um, I've been finding out like more and more people, I think, especially maybe in our generation, are actually hourly workers instead of salaried. But I think still, if you're hourly and you get 40 hours a week, that's still consistent. Okay. Um, this is more like, you know, probably focused on commission, you know, minded people. So more like real estate agents or any type of salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's obviously a lot more variable. So, but still, you know, one in three. So, um, you know, we did our budget series. Well, we refreshed our budget series recently. And I actually got a question from one of my old roommates, Hey Spief, um, and she was curious to know, you know, if, because she has a variable income, how to plan for that or how to budget for that. And then, you know, I was actually in giving a presentation to a business networking group recently, and I got the same question. So I was like, well, if I'm getting asked this by multiple people, we should probably do an episode about it right right especially yeah with with those business groups there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are working you know here and there or doing sales commission things like you know like selling insurance or selling uh skills and trades and yeah right working jobs here and there well i mean in general you know a lot of the those guys they own their own companies so they are the hvac guy they are the plumbers and you don't really know what you know what person's going to call you this week and has a project, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. electricians, you might get a call for a really big project, or maybe you just pick up a handful of smaller things, and that can kind of really change your total income. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think uh, those guys, though, I I think if you're in any skilled trade, you probably are, like, turning down jobs more often than, like, (laughs) than not, right? Because I feel like those guys are always swamped. Yeah, they're they're hurting, especially in the summer, right? but, But that is also very seasonal, right? Like, if you're installing like air conditioning units for the majority of your business, uh, that really slows down in December. In yeah, but usually if you're doing air conditioning units, you're doing furnaces too, right? That's true. And then that really picks up because <laughs> so you get a little bit of balance there. But you're right. I mean, I think especially with like contractors or if you're like in the roofing or siding business, that doesn't, that dies all winter, right? Mm-hmm. There we go. Maybe that's what we should do. Get seven months off. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, you know, I wanted to talk about this. And so the question that I actually rebuttaled with, um, when the guy asked me, you know, how do I handle variable income is I asked him if 
on an annual basis from year over year, his salary was consistent. And his was. So that actually makes things a little bit easier because you can kind of look back at, okay, what did I take home last year? Divide that out by 12, and then that's your monthly spending amount. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you know, you can save on months that you make more. You can put it away in what we've talked about before on the podcast, what are called sinking funds. So you can, you know, put it away and kind of make it your rainy day fund or sinking fund and then save up to pay for the more expensive things on months when your income is down, like, you know, car insurance, because that's due once a year and stuff like that. Um, So that's one good approach is to just kind of know what your baseline income is and budget off of that. I've also heard the advice that you should budget off of your lowest month. And, you know, because then you kind of know, okay, this is like the minimum I've made in the last two years. And if you budget off of that, then when you have extra money, make a list of like, these are the things that are important to do, you know, when I get extra money. Maybe there's some repairs around your house that aren't super urgent that you can kind of put off until you get a higher paycheck, right? Um, so, th- so those are a couple of kind of different ideas to spread the income back out. Well, there's other... Th- there's another scenario too, and we talked about this back when I was in like seventh grade or something, with teachers' salaries especially, and because teachers have the option, or at least they did, you know, where I was growing up, where they could take their entire salary, uh, kind of distributed throughout the school year, or they could like take it all up front, and they could basically like self police their their spending habits all through, you know, so they're not okay. So not I've kind like of heard that that proposed differently. Um, not that they get like this huge lump sum at the beginning of the year. Uh, I've heard that they can either spread it out over the school year, which is usually eight to nine months, or they can spread it out over the calendar year Correct. and all 12 months. Probably what they meant. So, you know, and, and I think, yeah, you know, if you, if you do the first scenario and you know, okay, I'm not, or, you know, if you are a roofer or a teacher and you know, there's going to be three months or six months where you don't have income. It is very important when you are getting paid to make sure you are refilling your... And I don't even really call it an emergency fund at that point because you should have an emergency fund separately. This This should be like your living fund, right? Because you know you have a known time period where you're like, for these three months, I will not have income. So I need to like have this much in my bank account to survive. Correct. Yep. It's, It's a separate scenario, kind of different than what we've ever talked about before specific to this this situation yes. for the, for these people. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of recommend, you know, so my dad actually has been commission based my entire life. Um he was he's a financial planner. So that is very variable and I think, you know, he one of one big thing that he has always done is he prepays a lot of his bills when he has the income coming in to get him through the periods where business might be slower. So like, you know, if you if you ask, you know, if you talk to him at any given point, he'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, my mortgage is three months ahead of schedule. My car payment is three months ahead of schedule. And you can even do this with your utility bills. So he will actually just like send over, you know, money when it comes in so that he doesn't he's kind of on autopilot. So he and so instead of kind of in a separate bank account, he's chosen to just like I'm going to pay it to them directly all of my, you know, bills are caught up for the next three months and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, that's the safest approach, right? Is if you get the money out of your hands and where it needs to go early, there's no danger of you accidentally spending that money and going in the other direction. Yeah. So, so he's done that, like, literally my entire life. If he 
had extra money, he would just send over, you know, 20 extra dollars when he paid his utility bill so that he kind of had that credit for the next month. And that kind of really helped him, you know, build up this savings so that he doesn't have to really like stress about his variable income anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's another really good way. And I kind of also just wanted to go, you know, I think it really helps go back to the basics too. So one really good thing you can do is just write down all of your bare bones expenses. So we've we've always kind of talked about this too because we've done like no spend months where we try to spend very little money. And, you know, get, I would say if you can get your bare bones expenses as low as possible, that is like really nice when you're on a variable income, right? Because if you don't have car payments and you don't have credit card payments or whatever, then you only have, you know, like, as long as I come up with this much money, I will not lose my house and I will be able to eat, right? I mean, that's a good thing to do on any income level. Yeah. Low income, variable income, or even, you know, moderate to high income. Yeah. Everybody, I think we would recommend that everybody always be looking at trying to do that and doing exercises like that just to, just to see. Yeah. You know. But I think, you know, if you have a variable income and you have a lull in the year and you know business is going to be slow and you know your income is going to be down for a two-month period, if you can make it so your fixed expenses kind of match what your lowest take-home pay is, then that just gives you a lot more flexibility and freedom throughout the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. When you have a little bit more coming in, you can earmark it for different goals or, you know, whatever you kind of have been planning to do, but maybe, you know, maybe you want to like repaint your deck or resaint your deck and you wait until you kind of have that extra check. I know that's something even growing up that my dad was like very big on is there were a lot of times that we kind of like waited to do things until you know, he made sure he got through that lull and then he'd be like, okay, now I've I've gotten a bigger paycheck so we can go, you know, back to school shopping or whatever it might be, right? So he was like very aware of that. And I kind of think of it as like prioritize all of your expenses every month and, you know, make sure you cover the must-haves. But then if there's like kind of flexible things like, you know, going out more. And this kind of really does apply to everybody too, but right, like going out to like the movies, like maybe it just isn't in the budget in your low months, right? So you kind of have to be a little flexible. And, you know, I will say I really kind of, I understand that this is a lot more stressful, right? It's a lot easier to know how much you have coming in every month. But I think once you kind of get used to it, it it doesn't have to be that bad. Um, I think the big thing is kind of having that secondary fund, that living fund that you're contributing to. So you know, if you have a down month, like you're going to be okay. Right. I mean, it's it's scary too from a person that is salary going to a position that is variable, right? Oh, yeah. Right. That's, it's a huge leap of faith. And that's why a lot of people stay in the jobs that they are not satisfied with, just because it has a dedicated salary that they can depend on more or less. Right? Yeah. Um, and you know, actually, um, because my dad is a financial planner, and he helps get other people into the industry. We've actually talked a lot about that. And his recommendation, if you're going from a salary job to a commission-based type job, is to have six months of your expenses saved up so that you can, when you start working, everything you make, you just put in like a separate bank account and you live off of what you've saved up. And then you kind of build that up and you get used to seeing how much you're bringing in every month. But it really gives you like that good cushion to get started without having to stress about it. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people might start a job like that and then, you know, they it's too much or it's too hard and and they kind of 
peter right. out. It's because it's better to it's better to build your parachute in the safe zone rather than trying to build your parachute while you're you know falling through the sky. Right. That's right. Your analogies, man, they are great. Build your parachute in the safe zone. <laughs> um, and, you know, so one other kind of strategy I wanted to mention that I know my dad also kind of did when I was younger is he would kind of live off last month's income. So I think a lot of people are like, okay, I get paid on the first and that's when my rent's due. So rent comes out of that paycheck. But instead, he kind of was like one month ahead, you know? So he would be like, okay, last month I made this much and out of it, I will take out the current month's rent and groceries and everything. So, but again, it kind of goes back to the same principle. Like he just basically had always had a cushion in his bank account so that he knew he wasn't going to like overdraft, you know, because his, his next paycheck might be lower than expected. Um, so that's, that's a key thing. And I know it's, you know, it is, it's tough to switch to it, but at the same time, you know, there are there are benefits. And I think overall, like, the same basic principles really still apply that we would tell anybody, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the difference is kind of having that parachute. That's right. Because <laughs> um, you owned your own business for a time. So your income was probably a bit more variable at that point, right? Well, yeah. I mean, especially because I had multiple sources of income but also, right, a lot of, well, and my expenses were limited um, because I was living at home, so I wasn't having to pay, like, room and board at college, but I still had to pay, like, the tuition and everything also. So I had expenses going out from school, but then I was working, um, like, a co-op or internship, basically, as well as running our business at the same time. So whenever I wasn't working at our business, I was working at that other job. Right. And then so uh, but then around the clock, I was either working at that job or or working at our business. So we had that one was a little bit more scheduled and dependable because I had a a permanent kind of like schedule I was working around there. And then the other one, I was just filling gaps in time where we had jobs coming in with our with our business. So I treated that more like, you know, I was lucky to be able to treat it as like a supplement during that time. Um, In addition to like the, you know, mediocre pay that I was getting at that time, which was. Like, a little bit better than minimum wage, but that was, like, worse than what minimum wage was now. Or is right yeah. now, so. <laughs> it's funny looking back. It's, like, how you know you've made it into, like, old people category. Because I remember when I started my job, you know, back in, in the day, I made $7.10. And it was, like, slightly higher than minimum wage, right? And um, now I think minimum wage is, like, over $9.00. And I remember when I started that job, you know, my older sister was like, oh, you're so lucky. Like when I started working, minimum wage was $5. And I was like, yeah, you know, get up with the time, sis. And then like now I'm that person. I was like, wow, you know, I think it's something that you just don't really pay as much attention to once, you know, I've been in a salaried position for five years now. So I just don't really Mm -hmm. think about it anymore. Um, And yeah, I think, you know, that's. That's something else I think that's kind of hard, too, is if you're in an hourly job that's not full-time and you have variable hours, like, that's a really tough situation because, like, you might get 35 hours one week and 20 hours the next week. And I think there you just need to, yeah, I mean, even, even doubly so, like, make sure you're kind of living off of 
what you made last month instead of like planning like, oh, my rent's due the first and my paycheck hits the first. So I'm going to pay it out of that check. Because if you don't know like how many hours you're getting, you can't really like bank on that check covering rent. Right. And I think that's something to like kind of drive home is like focus on the expenses that are critical. So if you have a month where things are down and you know, I'm not going to be able to cover absolutely everything this month. Like, make sure you pay your rent, right? Like, having a place to live is priority numero uno. Um, Make sure you have food on the table, right? Like, have your list of expenses and prioritize it. And, like, you know, I, I never recommend people not paying their bills. But, like, maybe if you have credit card debt, like, you can only pay the minimum, right? Because the minimums are, like usually pretty low. And I typically never recommend that because you get destroyed by interest. But like, don't not pay your rent to like, pay more on your credit card, card, right? Right. I mean, you're just gonna have to eat the interest that month and it sucks. But like, it'll also kind of teach you a valuable lesson of like, credit cards should be used more, you know, for sure as like last case resort. And if you can cover, you know, everything else, or if you just have to cut back in a month, like, do it. And I think, you know, a lot of times when you're in these variable income type roles, it's because you're working like sales or commissions and like you will usually like I feel like a lot of times in these roles, like the first year is probably the hardest, right? And then like after that you kind of get the hang of things and you're building up your clientele list and your referrals and like things get better. So you know, kind of, I, you know, and that's kind of hard advice, but like suck it up early on, do what you got to do and don't give up because it'll probably turn around. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's, I mean, you could look at this scenario of like, and this is true of salaried also, but you're filling something, filling like a bucket full of water, but there's like, there's like holes in the bucket. Right. And so you just need to know like how much you know, how much water is leaving the bucket before you, before it fills up again. Right. And so you just, in a salaried position, you get dumped, you dump more water in the bucket twice a month. Whereas like, you know, on a a variable rate, you know, job, you can pour a whole bunch in tomorrow and then not put any in for another week and then a little bit at a time and then back and forth. But it's still, you know, trickling out of the bucket every month. So you have to know what that outflow is. The most important thing is knowing exactly how much is leaving the bucket. Right? How much? How much is your regular expenses? When are those expenses due? Look at it on, on a monthly basis, and exactly like you said, fill up the rent one first, right? You, or your mortgage, or whatever that is. And food is also top of the list, right? Make sure you have enough to cover those specific expenses, and then it's utilities, right, that go along with that. So prioritize what those are, and make sure that all the income in, comes in at the beginning of that month, no matter what day it comes in. You know, goes straight to those things and then eventually you're going to have a surplus right that's or or you shouldn't be working that job in the first place (laughs) yeah there's a difference between working a very there's a difference between working a variable rate job where your income is not as dependable and working a job where you're not getting paid enough at all anyway yeah and just being underwater well and you know i think a big thing too is like as you you know maybe you have a car payment right now but as you get it paid off if you can continue driving that car if it's still a safe car to drive and you know i i never want to like tell the advice of like okay your car's three hundred thousand miles on it but like you got to keep going right but like most of the times when we buy cars and we get them paid off like they still have life left right um 
And so once you pay it off, like just now you don't have that fixed expense, right? So less water is coming out of the bucket, but that's good because you can get that water level higher, right? Like you can fill up the bucket. And then when you need a car, when you need to buy a car the next time, the more of it that you can cover with like, oh yeah, I've been saving this up for a car and I can just outright buy a car. And then you still like, you know, plugged that hole in forever. That's just really, that really helps when you, when you're on a variable income is to like, like I know it helps on a salary too, but when it's less consistent, the more holes that you plug, the easier it is to like rebalance the bucket when you need to, right? Right, because you're focused. It's it's a manageable. Amount. You can count on one hand the number of like expense categories that you have, right? Versus you know, there's like twenty, thirty different. You know, where's my money going? Right? It's hard. It's a lot harder to tell when there's you know too many holes. And I will also say, I think sometimes being on a variable income is like a great recipe for people who are naturally frugal because kind of like how we save money. We don't, you know, this is probably going to shock people. We don't actually super budget. Like, we we review our expenses all the time. We know where our, our holes are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't, like, we don't budget every month. Like, we don't, you know, have, like, cash in hand. This is all we can spend on groceries. We're a lot more flexible than that because we've, like, optimized it over time. But we've kind of gotten there from taking the attitude of we will never buy anything unless we have a really, really good reason to buy something. I mean, we did. We, we used to budget all the time. We used to look at our monthly expenses, yeah. especially when we lived in Chicago and we were like starting to try to manage things. Yes. That's definitely the right stepping stone. Yes. But we are cur- sure. currently at a point where we don't need to do that every month because we're like 90% optimized yes. in our expenses. But before yeah. you keep hating on me, my point there <laughs> was... If you can delay the purchase of something, so I think we've talked about this a million times too, but it's just as applicable for people on a variable income. We're so into instant gratification in this country where you can hop on Amazon and with one click, you can literally buy like anything that you want, right? And that is like a big no-no on a variable income, right? Because like I said, you have to make sure your fixed expenses are getting covered first. And then you need to like put off purchases until you can comfortably afford it and still have that like, you know, living fund fully stocked to cover the next couple months so that you're not like stressing about money. And I say that because we have like put that into practice. Like we still do not have living room furniture and we have lived in this house for two years. And at this point, it's kind of like we just keep delaying it because we don't need it. And... It's, like, gonna just go on forever, I guess. I don't know. We'll find out. Our patio furniture works great in the living room. And then we don't have patio furniture. We have, like, folding chairs and a rubber-made tub that doubles as an end (laughs) table and a patio table. I mean, pretty versatile. I mean, (laughs) to each their own, I guess. (laughs) But, but no, so my point is, I think when you kind of get in this practice of, like, delaying purchases or refining it you just start naturally spending less and that's you know obviously something we talk about a lot on this podcast but um super helpful when you are making you know inconsistent amounts and you want to try to live on less and and save up because i i understand it can be hard to save money on a variable fee right because a lot of people that i know that work in commission and this is kind of stereotyping but they get that big payday and they fucking make it rain (laughs) right i mean like genuinely they're like oh i got paid i got this i closed this big case i've been working on and like you know you go over and they're like oh i just bought this tv and i just i'm gonna take my whole family to disney world right like 
or I, I bought a new car because I like had enough for a down payment now. And like, I know it's tempting to do that stuff, but instead, if you can take those windfalls and like earmark it as your rainy day fund when things aren't going as well, you will be a lot less stressed knowing like my mortgage is paid for the next three months, right? Right. And I know like that's not the fun thing to do when you get that big check in the mail, but it really, really helps you not be so stressed later on. And I, I think to your to your last point too, that if you if you don't spend the money, right? If you don't default to buying new stuff to solve problems or default to like spending money to go on vacation or get more stuff and do more adventures that are expensive, right? Then you figure it out. Like that's why we have a end table that is like a Rubbermaid tub <laughs> and we have like chair, patio table. chairs okay. that are actually really comfortable that are <laughs> in the living room that are like meant to be outside. But like, right, we, we didn't default to like say we have a problem here or we just have a gap in our house and we need to fill it with something. So we need to we need to purchase something to put it there. Right. We just made it work. Right. right? And that's what that's what people do if they don't like have an Amazon to just like solve the problem instantly right or just like well and i think you know like you have to realize too that you don't need everything right now like someday would i like to have a bedroom that wasn't cobbled together with five dollar ikea end tables that we've had for six years and a dresser that's actually falling apart and a bed with no headboard yes i would love a bedroom set someday but you know what like it doesn't matter when i get that i can get it in a few years and I'll probably say the same thing in a few years because my bed is still functional. I still have an end table to put my belongings on. So I don't have a big need in life to, I mean, I could easily go out and drop thousands of dollars on a, on a bedroom set, right? But instead I'm like hoarding that money and, you know, to each his own. Yeah, that dresser's not going to make it though. <laughs> the, yeah, that's, that's probably coming up on. Either it will fail or I'm going to throw it down the stairway. One of them's going to happen. <laughs> you fight with years. that thing all the time. All right. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to add on this topic? Um, are, are there any good exercises to help people kind of like, you know, balance out that income and like pre- pretend like they're in a surplus or debt kind of scenario before that big payday comes in, right? Like, like maybe averaging out the expenses across the entire month and then saying like, okay, you know, tracking every day. Okay, I haven't had any money come in for two weeks now, so you know, I'm like negative, right? So like having like a dollar amount counter kind of counting against them and then say when they get paid, they'll be like, okay, I'm, you know, $800 behind this month. So immediately $800 definitely needs to go into like this account or something. Yeah. So, you know, I think actually Mint would do a good job of that because you can set up different goals and different budgets in there and it'll kind of show you like, are you on track? Are you behind? Are you off track? Um, And I think, you know, even with their budgeting tools, like, it, it just, it's a great, you know, I talk about Mint all the time. It's just such a good central source of all that data. So you can see everything in one place. It tracks it for you. It tells you, like, it'll even show you, like, with your income slider, if that's one of your budget items, like, you are on track with your income this month or you are four days behind. And Perfect. I think, like, mm-hmm. having that visualization kind of helps you know and think like okay you know i'm gonna have to pull a little bit from my rainy day fund this month yeah so that's i think it's the goals section for that one for setting up i want to have this much money by this date right and then it'll say like how far ahead or behind you You can do that or in the um, actual budget section 
you can put in, like, I plan to spend, you know, $1,000 on my mortgage this month, but you can also put in income. So you could say, I plan to make $2,000 every month. And if you only make, like, $800, it'll show you with the ticker, like, here's here's where you should be for this date. Mm-hmm. Here's how much you should have made, and here's where you are. Okay. So Perfect. Um, I don't think you can change the timeline, so I think it would just be every month it would kind of reset. But that would be kind of helpful, too, because then you can see, like, okay, you know, I had a goal of 2000 this month, and I only made, you know, 1700 so 300 needs to come out of my fund. And then, you know, the following month, if you're like, oh, great, you know, I made 2500 like, I better, you know, top that fund back off while I have it. it mm-hmm. It'd be a good reminder. So, yeah, I think, you know, Mint's a great tool for that. It's free. Um, I don't get anything for referring it. It's we We're just people who have used it and loved it for... God, like 10 years now? We are old. more, yeah. (laughs) But, all right. Well, did you have anything else Uh, to add? That was a really good point. I think think that's it. I think we're good. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me. Like always, I will drop all of my contact information in. And I do like to hear from you guys and answer your questions. So, thanks. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.